you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, July 30th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to break down what the Orioles did at the trade deadline, which just passed as I am recording this here on Friday afternoon. There were a whole lot of deals at the deadline this year, but the Orioles stayed relatively quiet, only making two moves, and both of them were fairly minor moves that they made here on Friday before the deadline. So we will break down both of those moves on today's episode. We'll also talk about another roster move the Orioles made. They actually made a waiver claim as well. Of course, the trades that we'll get to, they sent Sean Armstrong to the Rays, they sent Freddie Galvis to the Phillies, and then they claimed the left-hander Ryan Hartman from the Astros off waiver. So we'll talk about that as well. We are going to recap last night's Game 1 between the Orioles and the Tigers, first of a four-game series as the Orioles fell 6-2 to two in Detroit, and also going to take a quick look ahead to the final three games of the weekend between the O's and the Tigers at Comerica Park. So that is all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me every week to get in on the action at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. So I promise we will get to everything Orioles trade deadline in just a little bit. But first, got to take a look back at uh, the big league Orioles from Thursday night as they fall in game one to the Detroit Tigers by a score of 6-2. to two. And quickly going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles 6-2 to loss to the Tigers that dropped the O's to 35-66 and 66 on the season in game number 101 of the year. And the first thing you need to know from the game is that Alexander Wells uh, was not as good as he was in his first start against the Rays. He was a little shaky against the Tigers, but he was still at least able to give the Orioles some innings. Wells in this one goes five innings, allowing four runs on seven hits. He strikes out four, walks three, allows a home run to Miguel Cabrera, throws 90 pitches in those five innings, and his ERA now 5.28, but uh, he was hit around in this one. Ten hard-hit balls against Alexander Wells in the ballgame on Thursday night. And again, it just started off really shaky once again. You know, this is what happened in his first career start at the Trop last week. You know, he looked really shaky in the first two innings, and then he settled down. He got through five and two-thirds. He struck out seven and looked good by the end. But it started again here for Wells. He walked the leadoff batter. Then he had a horrendous pickoff throw to first that allowed that batter to go from first to third. And then Jonathan Scope followed it up with an RBI single that scored Akil Badu, who led it off with a walk. And all of a sudden, you know, it was one nothing Tigers immediately. And eventually, it was 2 nothing. Tigers after the first inning of that game, and he just wasn't ever able to climb himself back out of the hole. Now, on the day, he throws 90 pitches. He gets eight whiffs, which is not a great number. Got four of them on the fastball, two on the change, and two on the slider. But for a guy who doesn't throw hard at all, he continues to use his fastball a lot. 59% four-seam fastballs for Alex Wells, who averaged 88. Uh, He just missed 95. His hardest pitch was 89.5 miles an hour in the game Thursday night. And and again, you know, 53 fastballs and then just 15 change-ups, 11 curveballs, 11 sliders. Did not go to the off-speed stuff often. Now, he did did throw his fastball for a strike a good amount, you know, but but only a 25% CSW. Now, the big thing he did again, which I think... 
you know, is, is interesting to look at is, you know, he only threw 11 curveballs. He has the two different breaking balls, the curve and the slider, threw them each 11 times in the game. But they're very different pitches for Alexander Wells. Now, with the slider, he threw it 11 times, and he got 10 swings on that slider. Now, that ball was hit a little bit in the game. He also got two swings and misses. He also ended up getting three foul balls. Versus the curveball, nobody took a swing at the 11 curveballs he threw in the game. But he dropped six of those 11 curveballs in for called strikes. And he did that a lot in his first start as well, dropped a lot of curveballs in for called strikes. And, you know, we need to see some more starts, some more innings, just some more data to find out if this is how Wells is going to continue to pitch at the major league level. But it's really interesting where he almost uses the slider as a pitch he's trying to get a strikeout with. And the curveball is basically a big, you know, looping, basically a get me over curveball. It's a, it sits at about 72 miles an hour and he's just able to loop it in for a called strike. And what, you know, is maybe concerning about that is if guys sit on that pitch, you know, maybe they will start to swing at it. But the other thing is he seems confident to throw a first pitch curveball, to maybe throw a 2-0 curveball, a 2-1 curveball to get himself back into the count. And that is definitely going to help Wells down the line. Again, he wasn't great. He was shaky early, but he did respond and did get himself through five innings. A lot of Orioles pitchers this year, when they're shaky early, it just gets worse and they don't get through the second or the third. But a nice job by Wells. Again, he has earned himself at least... Another couple of starts here for the Orioles. Second thing you need to know uh, from the ball game is that the Orioles bullpen just, you know, it, it, they didn't use the, the good guys out of the bullpen. And uh, that was one of the reasons, you know, that they lost this game. I mean, yeah, Adam Pletko pitched two innings. He allowed two runs on three hits. And Sean Anderson, who we've really killed on this pod, actually did throw his first scoreless Orioles appearance Threw a scoreless bottom of the eighth out of the Orioles' pen. Uh, don't know if he'll be an Oriole much longer. We'll talk about that a little later, but at least he did that. But, you know, none of the big arms came out of the bullpen. It was Pletko and Anderson, and the Oriole offense just couldn't come back. And that's where we get to the third big takeaway is that, you know, really no offense in this one. The Orioles did score two runs, but it was just on four hits in the game. They got two from McKenna, one from Franco, and one from Mullins. And you could really tell this might be a rough one early. Now, they were facing Casey Mize. He throws seven innings, allows just one unearned run. But Mize only struck out two batters in seven innings. The ball was in play a lot. The Orioles just couldn't get any hits. But I will say, you know, it kind of set the tone. Cedric Mullins leads off the game with a leadoff triple in the top of the first, and the Orioles don't get him home. Austin Hayes grounds out to third. Mullins not able to score. Mancini grounds one back to the pitcher. They tag out Mullins between third and home. And then uh, DJ Stewart was retired to end the inning, and that just kind of set the tone for this game offensively where the Orioles offense just really wasn't there. Fourth thing you need to know though is that Ryan McKenna seems to be heating up in the Orioles lineup. Remember of course he scored the winning run in the walk-off on Sunday. He draws the walk-off walk in Wednesday night's win against the Marlins. Gets himself in the starting lineup starting in left field hitting sixth in this game and had a nice day two for four with a couple of singles and a run scored. He did strike out once but you know he's starting to hit the ball a little harder and uh, look a lot better at the plate for the Orioles, he scored the first run of the game um, in the seventh inning, forced a bad throw from left field from Akil Badu because of the speed, and just keep giving him playing time. Listen, I mean, with Santander out, you know, we don't know when he's coming back. With DJ Stewart struggling big time, you know, you're going to play Mullins and Hayes every day. Put McKenna out there as that, that third outfielder, and, you know, give me Mancini and Mountcastle between first base and DH. Have DJ Stewart just kind of be on the bench, and let's see what Ryan McKenna can do. I, I think it is... It's time for that at this point for the Orioles. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the loss is, hey, you know, 
Michael Franco might be turning it back around just a little bit. He had the big single that tied the game in the eighth inning on Wednesday night. He comes up with a one for three, uh, had a single and a walk in the game on Thursday night against the Tigers, gets himself on base twice, starting at third and hitting out of the seven hole. He's only hitting 218. The OPS is at 639 now on the season, but maybe he can start to bring that back up just a little bit to uh, give a little more production for the Orioles from third base, and obviously they would take that at this point. But that's what you need to know. Orioles lose 6-2 to two to the Tigers in Game 1 of a four-game series. But now we get to the juicy stuff of the day. The reason why uh, you didn't get this podcast till uh, Friday evening because wanted to wait till the trade deadline was over to record the pod. And the Orioles, as expected, were active, just maybe not as active as many thought. They did make two trades, uh, but they were maybe not the trades that anyone expected. All those relievers the Orioles have at the Major League level who are having great seasons, none of them were dealt. Mike Elias decided to deal some different players. We'll talk about the deals, what they mean for the Orioles, the current roster, and what they're getting back in those trades when we return from this break. So we'll get to the Orioles' deadline move in just a second, but first, got to tell you about Built Bar and all the delicious flavors of their protein bars. They've got coconut, they've got salted caramel, they've got cookies and cream, even German chocolate, just to name a few. Now, it can be tough to pick your favorite, so if you're trying all the Built Bars and you're struggling to do so, maybe you go to BuiltBar.com, you can order a mixed box. There you'll get two of each of the nine flavors, then you'll have a good chance to decide which one is the best. But not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. That's really the best part. Most of the bars have 17 or 18 grams of protein, just 130 to 180 calories, and really only 4 or 5 grams of sugar and grams of net carbs. So amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy, and Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team as well. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code locked on for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So, of course, it is trade deadline day, and the deadline has passed, and wow, what a day that was in Major League Baseball. I mean, you had names all over the place being dealt. Chris Bryant to the San Francisco Giants, obviously one of the biggest deals of the day. Of course, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner both go into the Dodgers as they look to repeat. Uh, Joey Gallo headed to the Yankees was a pretty big name. Javi Baez uh, heading over to the New York Mets. Uh, Anthony Rizzo went to the Yankees as well. As the Cubs just unloaded everyone. They sent Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox as well. It was... Uh, it was quite a big day of trade deadline, and that wasn't even half the deals that were involving big players that went down. And, you know, we looked at the Orioles and said, hey, you know, they've got these good relievers. Uh, these are probably some of the guys are going to trade, whether it was Paul Fry, Tanner Scott, Cole Sulser, maybe somebody else. Well, the Orioles made two deals, and actually they did trade one reliever, but it wasn't any of the guys that we expected. So let's get you the, the two deals that the Orioles made. We'll get you the return and what it means for the O's right now, for the system, and a lot of things going forward. So we start with deal number one of the day for the Orioles. You woke up and the Orioles made a deal, and maybe it was not the one you expected. They were able to deal Sean Armstrong to the Tampa Bay Rays as the Orioles get cash considerations back for Armstrong. Of course, Sean Armstrong, the 30-year-old right-hander for the Orioles, who they claimed off of waivers from the Seattle Mariners back in April of 2019, had some, some good outings uh, in his you know two-plus seasons with the O's in 2019 after coming to Baltimore. 51 games, a 5-1-3 ERA out of the Oriole bullpen. Uh, then he really pitched well in the shortened 2020 season. 
he was pretty lights out out of the pen. 14 games, 15 innings, a 1-8-0 ERA, 14 Ks to just three walks for Armstrong in 2020. He did miss some time with injury, though. That's why he only pitched in 14 games. But the Orioles had high hopes for Armstrong in 2021. Uh, he missed the first couple games of the year um, as he and his partner had their first child. Uh, but then Sean Armstrong comes off the paternal list, and uh, it did not go well for him. 20 games out of the Oriole bullpen, 20 innings, and 8 5 five ERA. He allowed 20 runs on 28 hits, struck out 22 and walked 10. So the Orioles ended up just DFAing Sean Armstrong and he passed through waivers and actually did end up back down in AAA Norfolk where he actually ended up pitching pretty well for the Tides. Pitched in 15 games out of the Tides bullpen, a 3-1-8 ERA. In 17 innings, he allowed 19 hits, uh, but only six earned runs, struck out 21 batters, and walked just six. So he looked a lot closer to 2020 Sean Armstrong once he went to AAA, uh, but he was not on the 40-man, and uh, the Rays wanted him, so the Orioles will get some cash back in that deal. We're not sure how much, uh, but you're always wary with trading with the Rays, um, so we will see if Tampa turns him into a good reliever. Now, the Rays just did this with a bad Orioles reliever. Of course, they signed David Hess to a minor league deal this offseason. They were not able to fix him, and he is now uh, with the Marlins, as we saw this week, him pitching back at Camden Yards. But we'll see if the Rays can get Sean Armstrong back to 2020 Sean Armstrong and even you know late 2019 Sean Armstrong, who was really showing flashes uh, with that fastball cutter combination as well. But we know there wasn't much to talk about there. I would say Armstrong probably had a good chance if he stuck around of pitching with the Orioles again here in 2021. You know, he was pitching well out of the Norfolk bullpen. He had a lot of major league experience with the Orioles. They probably would have added him back to the 40-man, put him back in the bullpen at some point. Uh, but he gets moved for some cash. But then we just kind of waited around, you know, expected maybe Fry or Scott or Salser to be moved, waited around, waited around. And then Jeff Passan hit us right at 4 p.m. Eastern time with the tweet, right at the deadline of the actual trade deadline, that the Orioles were able to trade Freddie Galvis to the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, Galvis, of course, has been on the injured list uh, for a good while now with a leg injury. He has not played for the Orioles here with that injury. Uh, he's been out since June 26th. That was the last game he played in up in Buffalo. Uh, so it has been over a month that Galvis has been out, but... He was about to start playing uh, in some rehab games and was probably going to be back with the Orioles, you know, I would say, you know, maybe in the next 10 days. Uh, it was expected that sometime early to mid-August he would be back in the Orioles lineup. So, you know, the Orioles were trying to rush him back to, to show that he was, maybe not rush him back, but to at least show that he was ready to go soon. And it ended up happening. So, you know, the Orioles trade him while he's still on the 10-day injured list. And he goes over to the Phillies. Now, for Galvis, of course, the Orioles signed him uh, to a free agent deal this offseason, which was worth up to uh, as much as $1.5 million with some incentives in there for Galvis, the now 31-year-old shortstop. And he ended up playing in 72 games with the Orioles this year and, and had a solid year. 249 average, 306 on base, 414 slugging, a 97 OPS plus. So he was right around a major league average hitter this year. Nine homers, 12 doubles, 26 RBIs on the season for Galvis. And he goes back to the Philadelphia Phillies, the team where he got his start, the team that 
you know, he started his professional baseball career with. They signed him as an amateur free agent in 2006 out of Venezuela. He made his debut in the major leagues with the Phillies in 2012. He was with the Phillies from 2012 through 2017 at the major league level uh, before he went to the Padres, Blue Jays, Reds, and now the Orioles. Uh, But he goes back to his old organization. And in return, the Orioles get one minor league pitcher. That is the 23-year-old right-hander Tyler Birch. Six foot two, 190 pounds, out of the Phillies organization. He'll turn 24 in September and is a native of Lewiston, Idaho, where he played at Lewis Clark State College in Lewiston, Idaho. That is an NAIA school. If you're unfamiliar with the NAIA, basically it is the essentially league division, you know, level, whatever you want to call it below NCAA. So it, it is not, you know, Division One, Division Two, or Division Three. It is not junior college. It is a separate entity of colleges, you know, mostly very small colleges around the United States uh, that play under the NAIA uh, umbrella and do not compete in the NCAA. So he actually played at Lewis Clark State College uh, until 2019, and he went undrafted, but the Phillies signed him as an undrafted free agent after he had some really, really good numbers in 2018 and 2019 as a starter at Lewis Clark State College. And, uh, you know, he had some solid strikeout numbers, walks were down, and, and some good ERAs. And the Phillies signed him to a undrafted free agent deal. They sent him to rookie ball where he pitched one scoreless inning in the Gulf Coast League, and that was enough to call him up to short season single A Williamsport, the cross cutters, which are now um, an unaffiliated minor league team. But in 2019, in short season single A, he showed what he could do. He ended up pitching in 11 games there with Williamsport, made four starts. He had a 1.56 ERA in 34 and two-thirds innings. He allowed just six runs on 29 hits. He struck out 32 and walked just six, uh, allowing two home runs that season. And the Phillies were were, were pretty impressed with that. Uh, he ended up going to Australia uh, to play in the Australian Baseball League uh, in that winter. And he made three starts over there. Wasn't great. He gave up six runs in three and a third innings. But, you know, that gave him some more experience at just age 22. And, of course, when he missed, you know, the whole 2020 minor league season, as everyone did. But he got the promotion to start 2021 up to low A Clearwater this year. And, you know, it was it was mixed results in Clearwater. 15 appearances out of the bullpen, a 4-9-1 ERA. Now, in 18 and a third innings, he did give up 12 runs on 17 hits. But he struck out 31 batters and walked just six uh, in that time in just 18 and a third innings in low A. And so the strikeout stuff was there uh, at the time for Birch. So the Phillies moved him up to high A Jersey Shore, and the numbers got even better. So before the trade with Jersey Shore, he made eight appearances out of their bullpen in high A, a 2-4-5 ERA. He actually acted as the Jersey Shore closer. He made four saves in his eight appearances, pitched just 11 innings, but he allowed three earned runs on seven hits, struck out 18 batters in those 11 innings, and walked just two. Those are some pretty good stats you want to get behind. Uh, Mike Elias, just as I'm recording, uh, talking to the media um, about Birch, 
And he said that for Birch had a big stuff jump. That's what he said, a quote, big stuff jump after the shutdown um, and really in between the 2019 and 2021 minor league seasons. Looks like a uh, you know high spin fastball guy who likes to throw the fastball up in the zone. And uh, we will get you an episode next week, uh, really diving in deeper into Tyler Birch as he gets added to the Orioles minor league system. The assumption is he would probably be sent uh, to Aberdeen to start and hopefully would finish the year at Bowie this year, uh, but we'll get a more in-depth look at Birch for uh, from some people who have watched him play in an episode next week. But that's really uh, what the trade was. Birch for Galvis from the Orioles. Uh, the Orioles are paying Freddie Galvis's $250,000 trade bonus that was in his contract that said he would make $250,000 extra from the Orioles if they dealt him before the deadline, which they did. So that comes into play, but the Orioles are able to trade a Freddie Galvis. Even though he was injured, they get Tyler Birch. They trade Sean Armstrong for cash considerations. And that was the Orioles trade deadline as they hold on to all the relievers. And more importantly, they hold on to John Means, they hold on to Cedric Mullins, and they hold on to Trey Mancini at least for the time being. But when we come back, the Orioles did make another move uh, on this day that was not part of the trade deadline. They claimed a left-handed pitcher on waivers. They also made a, a lot of statements about specific guys who were injured and uh, kind of the updates on their status we got from Mike Elias when he talked to the media here on Friday. Uh, we'll get you all that, plus a preview of the rest of the weekend against the Tigers. That's coming up after the break. So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action over at betonline.ag. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, but not just that. How about the NBA? How about the NHL? How about UFC and MMA action? Maybe some Olympics action as well. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and content contest information. You're not going to want to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So the Orioles were active on deadline day. They trade Sean Armstrong to the Rays for cash. They trade Freddie Galvis over to the Phillies for the minor league right-hander Tyler Birch. But they also did add another player to their system on trade deadline day, and it was not via a trade, but they made a waiver claim. It was the 27-year-old left-handed pitcher Ryan Hartman, 6'3", 230 pounds, as they claimed him off of waivers from the Houston Astros as Houston designated him for assignment off their 40-man roster earlier this week. Now, Hartman actually does have kind of a connection to the Orioles as he has been added to the 40-man roster, and the Orioles 40-man roster is now full at the moment. He has made only one major league appearance in his career. It actually came against the Orioles earlier this season. So his one and only major league appearance is against the Orioles, and now you would think his next one will be for the Orioles. It came on June 30th at Minute Maid Park. It was part of that three-game sweep when the Orioles took out the Astros in late June. Uh, he pitched from the seventh inning on in that game, uh, came in with two outs in the seventh and finished off the game uh, from a relief standpoint with his team losing. Pitched two and a third innings, allowed one run on three hits, struck out two, didn't walk anyone, and allowed a solo home run to Austin Hayes uh, through 46 pitches, 29 strikes 
in that one. Uh, the breakdown on Hartman in that game against the Orioles, he was basically firing all fastballs. Uh, he threw, of his pitches, of the 46 pitches, he threw 38 fastballs, three changeups, three curveballs, and two sliders um, in that time. Again, that's 83% fastballs. It's not like he has a big fastball from the left side by any stretch of the imagination. He throws about 88 miles an hour with the fastball with an 83-mile-per-hour changeup, curveball at 75, and the slider at about 82. He just went fastball, fastball, fastball all day from the left side, sitting about 88 and, uh, you know, it worked fairly well for Hartman. But the Orioles do add him, and of course he's had much more time at the minor league level. He was drafted in the ninth round by the Astros in 2016 out of Tennessee Wesleyan University. That is below the Division I level. Uh, made his way up through the Astros minor league system. 2016 through 2018, he was one of the most dominant pitchers in the system for Houston. Then they sent him to AAA in 2019 at age 25, and the numbers kind of got worse. He pitched there in 2019, AAA the whole season as a starter. Then he made 12 starts this year um, at AAA with Sugarland and 13 appearances, 12 starts with the Sugarland Skeeters in AAA. He has a 5.03 ERA at the AAA level in 62 and two-thirds innings. He's allowed 62 hits, 35 earned runs, but he has struck out 59 and walked just 18 batters. The thing that has killed him, though, he plays in a league in AAA where the ball just flies out of the ballpark. He has allowed 16 home runs in 13 appearances at AAA this year. That will get the ERA up. But you have to know some of these AAA leagues, especially the one that Sugarland is in, the average ERA is about five. So a 5.03 ERA in you know about 63 innings really isn't that bad for Hartman. Uh, so we will see how he fits into the Orioles. Uh, he'll be assigned initially to AAA Norfolk, and then uh, we'll see where he goes from there. And the other thing that's interesting is, of course, he did pitch in relief in his one major league appearance, but it was two and a third innings. He's basically been a starter his whole minor league career. He's made 102 minor league appearances. He has a career 4.01 minor league ERA. 71 of those 102 two appearances uh, have been starts and 12 others have been when he's finished games, which means he was probably a bulk follower uh, like the Orioles do a lot in their minor league system. So he's basically been a starter his entire professional baseball career and college career. So we'll see if the Orioles keep him as a starter when he gets to Norfolk. Now, the Orioles then made another move today, just before the game, and actually just as I was about to post this episode. So you're getting a little extra here, uh, really on-time news here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. Now, the O's coming into the day had one open spot on the 40-man roster. So they claim Hartman, which at the time made the 40-man roster full, took it to 40 players as they claim the left-hander placed him on the 40-man. But, of course, at the deadline, they trade Freddie Galvis to the Phillies. Despite being on the 10-day injury list, he was on the 40-man, so it frees up another spot. So you're looking at who would fill that spot. Well, you do have to remember that Anthony Santander and Keegan Aiken are, or both when they came into the day, were both still on the COVID IL. And when you were on the COVID IL, you do not count towards a 40-man roster spot, which allows teams to call up players who aren't on the 40-man if there's some sort of outbreak, uh, put them on the major league roster as fill-in players, and they're kind of able to take them off the 40-man without any repercussions. So if there is, you know, five, six, seven guys on a team on the COVID IL, teams can still potentially play games during the season. And so what the Orioles did do before the game here on Friday is they reinstated Anthony Santander from the COVID IL. So for Santander, he goes back onto the 40-man roster. 
He's in the lineup for Friday night's game, and he puts the Orioles 40-man roster back at a full 40 players. So they came in with one open spot. They add Hartman and Santander, subtract Galvis. Now you are at the full 40. Now the Orioles also said they're kind of in wait-and-see mode with Keegan Aiken, who for now stays on the COVID IL, but they think he'll come off in the next two or three days, you know, by sometime probably early next week. And if that does happen, you know, most likely they're going to put him back on the 40-man roster and you're going to have a spot you're going to have to open up because it is full at the moment. And the Orioles knew that these two guys, Santander and Aiken, were going to be coming back onto the 40-man fairly soon. And with knowing that, I don't think Mike Elias would have picked up a guy like Hartman just expecting to DFA him three days later when they needed a spot on the 40-man again. And of course, you know, Hartman was a guy who was drafted by the Astros in 2016 when Mike Elias was working for the Houston Astros organization. So he has some stake in the game with Hartman, kind of similar to a guy like Thomas Eshelman. And so the Orioles add Anthony Santander to the active roster. And speaking of Eshelman, they have sent Thomas Eshelman back down to AAA Norfolk in the corresponding move on the active roster. But Eshelman does stay on the O's 40-man roster, so he holds that spot. So for the Orioles right now, whenever they do reinstate Aiken, if they do put him on the 40-man, you would have to think probably Sean Anderson is the guy who gets DFA'd off the 40-man roster, the right-hander who, despite throwing a scoreless inning in Thursday night's game in Detroit, as we talked about, has just been really, really bad in an Orioles uniform out of the bullpen. Talked about it as well here on the pod and on Twitter. Maybe the worst pitcher we've seen pitch for the Orioles since this rebuild started back in 2018, and uh, there are a lot of names that are in contention for that title. But I would think when Aiken comes back uh, that Anderson would get the DFA, but we'll see if Aiken comes back. Uh, That's something I'll probably talk about next week, Uh, but that is a whole different issue we will get into that. But in terms of the new lefty who actually is on the 40 man right now, we'll see what Hartman does. You know, he would obviously start in Norfolk, but you know, we'll we'll see if he gets to the Orioles and he's always a potential not just relief but starting pitcher option for the O's at the major league level as they continue to try and find guys uh, who can, you know, come in and, and give them some some good innings at this point, which they just really haven't gotten from many guys. But the one good thing for the Orioles is they should be getting some other guys back soon from injury to help them put together innings and just help them in general. As Mike Elias uh, spoke to the media right after the trade deadline here on Friday, obviously talked about the Freddie Galvis pick, but did want to kind of get you the the big points from Mike Elias chatting with the media because it was a lot of good stuff uh, that he gave about the Orioles at the moment. First, you know, we, we talked about what he said about Tyler Birch had a big stuff jump after the shutdown, the guy the Orioles got for Freddie Galvis. Elias also said they came pretty close to trading one of those relievers, didn't say whether it was Fry or Scott or anyone else, uh, but decided not to deal anyone. And he talked about, you know, having uh, Ramon Arias, having other guys, other infielders in the system made it easier to deal Freddie Galvis, and also said, quote, the future is very bright for Trey Mancini, and I hope he's here as long as possible. So maybe extension talks uh, will start at some point. Now, there was some injury news on both sides. First, on the rough injury news side, of course, Anthony Servidio, who was the Orioles' uh, fourth-round pick in the 2020 MLB draft. He's been out uh, with an injury for a while. Uh, Servidio, the infielder, just had surgery to repair a sports hernia, so he's going to be out for another four to six weeks. Uh, We hope that he comes back at least at the end of this minor league season, but things looking doubtful for that at this point. 
Now, in terms of bigger minor league names, we got an update on D.L. Hall as well, who has not pitched in a while. Now, he did cut off the luscious locks. Uh, the hair is short now for D.L. Hall. That is one update. The other one, uh, he was about to ramp up his throwing program, apparently, but uh, he got further testing, according to MadisonSports.com's Rock Kabako. And uh, he has a stress reaction in the bone in his left elbow, so he's going to need some more rest. And uh, they have said right now it does not look like D.L. Hall will pitch again for the Orioles in 2021. So that is definitely a bummer for the Orioles' number two ranked pitching prospect, D.L. Hall, who was so dominant at Double A Bowie this year. Looks like he will not pitch again. Um, at least um, in affiliated ball until 2022. Hopefully he's healthy enough that maybe the Orioles can send him to the Arizona Fall League to get some innings in. In terms of guys closer to the major leagues, Richie Martin, who has been um, on a, a rehab stint, I should say, in A Bowie, uh, he's going to come off the IL in a few days. You would think he's going to go to Norfolk after uh, breaking his hand uh, in the outfield for the Tides early in the season. Bruce Zimmerman is going to throw a rehab game in Aberdeen on Saturday and then another start next week before he comes back from the injury list sometime in mid-August. That is great for the Orioles rotation. He had basically been their second most reliable starter behind John Means. They're going to love to have him back. Yuzniel Diaz with his turf toe is still day-to-day, -day, but Michael I says he's doing some running. And Adam Hall has a quad strain. That's why he has been on the injured list um, in Aberdeen. He is looking at a mid-August return. Uh, then you have Zach Lowther, who is going to go to Florida next week to begin rehabbing. Um, and he'll play in the complex league, hoping he will return to Norfolk and then maybe Baltimore at some point later this season. And then Terran Vavra, we actually got some uh, good news on him. He's been out for a while out of the Bowie lineup. Uh, of course, one of the guys the Orioles got back from the Rockies in the Michael Givens trade last year, the infielder Vavra, has a back strain, but he'll begin rehab games probably next week and then should be back to Bowie by the middle of August, says Mike Elias. And he did say a lot of these minor leaguers who are injured will probably be the guys who go to the Arizona Fall League. And then uh, two more things is uh, he did... I answer a question about Adley Rutschman. He said the AAA season is long. It runs into October. That's a factor when deciding when to move up Adley. You would think he'll go to AAA at some point. And then Elias said he's hoping for, quote, some good news soon on Heston Kerstad, which, of course, all you want to hear about Kerstad. You know, obviously, we're hoping he gets back on the field as soon as possible. But first and foremost, you just hope he is healthy both in the short term and and the long-term for the Orioles' 2020 first-round pick. So a lot of news to get to you there, not just about the trade deadline, but Mike Elias, you know, kind of letting everybody know a lot about uh, a lot of Orioles minor leaguers at the moment as well. But back at the major leagues before we go, Orioles do have three more games against the Detroit Tigers this weekend after losing game one on Thursday night. It starts tonight at 7.10 p.m. Eastern time. Probably game's going on right now, or maybe it's over by the time you're listening to this, but still, Matt Harvey takes the bump for the Orioles, and the 32-year-old right-hander has been dominant lately. Back-to-back -back starts of six scoreless innings, including his last time out against the Nats over the weekend. Six scoreless, one hit, four Ks, and no walks. He now has a 6.65 ERA on the season in 20 starts and 88 innings. Wasn't enough to get him traded, but hopefully he can pitch better like this down the stretch. He'll go up against the 24-year-old left-hander Tarek Skubal, one of the Tigers' former top prospects, who's been good this year. 20 starts, a 4.42 ERA in 99 and two-thirds innings. He has struck out 113 batters. He has been a little rough, though, lately for Skubal, and his last start was not good uh, last week in Kansas City. Allowed five runs on five hits over five innings, struck out four, uh, but did not walk 
anyone. Then we go to Saturday. It's a 6.10 p.m. Eastern time start. It's John Means Day once again on Saturday. It'll be his third start off the injured list for the 28-year-old left-hander. It'll be his 15th start of the year. He has a 2.94 ERA on the season course trying to get a little bit better last time out against the Nats he was better than his first start off the IL did go six and two-thirds uh, did allow four runs on five hits only struck out two but only walked one again he's only walked one batter in 11 and two-thirds innings since coming off the injured list so that's definitely a good sign for means hopefully it gets a little bit better on Saturday he'll go up against another former Detroit top prospect that is the 23 year old right-hander Matt Manning who will make his eighth appearance of the year for Detroit got called up to make his debut this year he has a Six zero zero ERA in 33 innings, just 17 strikeouts for Manning. Hasn't gone as well as he had hoped uh, in his first major league season. His last start in Minnesota last week, five innings, four runs, five hits, four strikeouts, and one walk. And then to finish it up on Sunday, 1.10 p.m. Eastern time start, Spencer Watkins goes for the Orioles. Of course, he had those three good starts to start his major league career. Then his last one was a little iffy against Miami. Went four innings, allowed four runs on nine hits, one K and one walk against the Fish on Tuesday night. Hopefully Watkins, uh, the 28-year-old righty, can pull it back together. And he will go up against the 27-year-old left-hander Tyler Alexander, who's kind of been back and forth between the Detroit bullpen and rotation this year. It'll be his 30th appearance of the year. He he has a 4.80 ERA and 50 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has 43 strikeouts. His last outing against Minnesota, four innings, five runs, six hits, two Ks, and one walk. He really isn't expected to go more than four innings in this game, is Alexander, so expect a lot of Detroit bullpen on Sunday. And then on Monday, we will be back with you here on the pod. Of course, we will uh, recap the weekend's action, give you the three big takeaways from the final three games of the series uh, between the Orioles and the Tigers in Detroit. And the next week, we will look ahead to the Orioles' next series. They go right to New York on Monday night to start a three-game series with the Yankees, who uh, just added a lot of new pieces at the deadline. Then we will also continue looking at the Orioles' draft picks. We've broken down, so far, guys from the first seven rounds for the Orioles. We'll get you every single pick at some point here over the next couple of weeks. And we will also take a closer look at uh, who the Orioles acquired today. We will get a closer look at the minor league right-hander Tyler Birch, who they got for Freddie Galvis. We'll also get a much closer look at the left-hander Ryan Hartman that they claimed from the Astros. That'll all come up next week on the pod. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.